1, 19 through 34. It's a passage that you'll recognize. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to, the, to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me. Because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize you with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and have bore witness that this is the Son of God. Praise God. Thank you so much, Jason, for reading that. I know that's a lengthy piece of text. Uh, and we're not going to try and exposit every word of it this morning, but as we kind of transition from the Advent and Christmas season where we've been for the last several weeks and then move towards a new year and a new season in the life of the church, I do usually like to end the church year looking at a text. I pray that every text of Scripture that we look at is challenging to us, but I like to look at one that's particularly challenging, usually in recognizing our identity as being servants and messengers of the Lord. And so today we have this text about John the Baptist, and this is what I say about John. You heard it in that text. You'll hear it in the sermon today. Uh, but in this text, we read about John. But when we read about John, we hear about Jesus. And I love that you can say that about John the Baptist. Anytime that you read about John, you're hearing about Jesus. Whether it's in the prophecy that Zechariah was saying about John that Brother Shane read for us earlier, whether it was this sermon text, whether it's later whenever John is sending his disciples to ask Jesus questions. When you read about John, you hear about Jesus. And I pray that the same thing could be said of us, that when people think about us or talk about us, that they can't do it without talking about Jesus. So two things really that we're going to see today in, in the text. We're going to see who does John say John is? And who does John say Jesus is? These are the two things that we're going to say, that we're going to see. I pray at least these two things we see in the text today. So look back with me at the text. 
We're going to look at the first few verses here and talk about this idea of who does John say he is. So look back at verse 19, John 1, 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So before we consider this together, if y'all would join me and let's pray and ask the Lord's favor as we do this. Father God, I'm thankful for the opportunity here on the last day of the year to gather with your people, Lord, in this place that we've set aside, Lord, to, to sing your praises, to hear your perfect holy word read, Lord, to pray together, and Lord, now to spend some time considering the truth of your word. Father, I pray today that as we look at the life of John, that we either see a, a pretty good reflection of who we are, or we're challenged to be more like him. Father, that we would identify ourselves as your servants first and foremost. That our identity would be fully wrapped up in you and our relationship with you. So Father, help this to be clear today. Help our minds to be focused for this time. Not, not Lord, not thinking about things inside or outside of this room. Things from last week or things to come next week, Lord. But help us to be focused on the truth of your word for this brief time that we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we see, as it tells us in verse 19, the testimony of John, right? This is John speaking and telling us some things about himself. And so what is it that John's telling us? Well, first thing, the first thing he's telling us is who he is, or more correctly, who he is not, right? He begins with who he is not, and then he moves to who he is. So let me ask you this question. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand because you might be embarrassed, but how many of you have ever Googled yourself before? Have y'all ever done that? You ever Googled your name, curious what would come up? I have. Uh, I've done it a couple times. I did it again this week just to see. No surprise, it's changed. Uh, there, I was surprised to find one site that listed a lot more information than I thought was readily available. It listed my home address it listed my spouse, it lift, listed my personal cell phone number, um, all available right there on a quick Google search. And so that was a little bit discomforting to me, but it was there. I also found, uh, you can readily find that I'm the senior pastor of Mount Zion Baptist Church. And if you look back far enough, you can find a couple of articles and accolades from uh, days long past of when I played soccer. And so if you ask Google... Who is Zach Kilpatrick? That's mainly what you'll find. He's a former soccer player and current pastor. It's kind of what Google says about me on a quick search. But if somebody were to ask you, not Google, you, who are you? As John has asked here multiple times, what would you say? How do you see yourself? Not answering what you think they want to hear, but how do you honestly identify yourself. Well, in this passage, 
John begins by saying, who is not? Right? Verse 19 ends with, who are you? And the first thing that he does is confess, and not deny, but confess, I am not the Christ. Right? Christ is the, the New Testament word for Messiah. So the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one of the Old Testament, that, that, those words are the exact same word, just once in Hebrew and once in Greek. So he's saying, I'm not the promised one from heaven. I'm not the Savior that's coming. Now, apparently, he's answering that way because some of them suspect that he might be. So he tells them, that's not me. And so then they kind of go through a couple of other possibilities from Scripture that they think he might be. He's not the Messiah. He's not the reincarnate Elijah come back to life. He's not the promised prophet that would be a new and better Moses. That's that question. That's our best understanding of that question. Are you the prophet? But to all of these, he says, no. I'm not. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the coming prophet. And so then they just come back around to the question again there in verse 22. Who are you? We've, we've got to have an answer. We can't just go and tell our, our leaders who you're not. We've got to tell them who you are. So who do you say that you are? And in verse 23, he finally gives a clear answer. He said... I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, he is quoting here from Isaiah. This is the text that Miss Judy read for us at the beginning of the, the, of the day, the beginning of the worship service. This text, it's a prophecy about a day that was coming and a messenger that was going to come before the Messiah came to get people ready for the Messiah's arrival. So that's the whole idea there with, with fill in the valleys and bring down the hills and fill in the ruts, right? All of that. The whole idea is, is get things ready, get people prepared so that when the Messiah shows up, when the king comes, they'll be ready. They'll be prepared for his coming. And so basically, if I'm paraphrasing John here... Here's what he's saying. They say, who are you? I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I am a servant of the Lord sent to prepare y'all for his arrival. So he said, this is my identity. I am a servant of God who's come here to do his work to get ready for his coming. So point one this morning is that John's identity was in Jesus. When he thinks of himself, he doesn't think of himself as a standalone figure. His identity, who he is, is completely wrapped up in his relationship to Jesus. It's not, I am John, the son of Zechariah. It's not, I am John, who was born to the barren Elizabeth, an amazing, miraculous story. It's not even, let me tell you about how I got the name John, because that's an amazing story in and of itself. It's not, I am John, who crowds of people come from big towns out here to the wilderness to hear me teach. It's not, I'm John, who's baptized more people than anybody else in the convention. No, although he has all these accolades, when you say, John, who are you? He says, here's who I am. I'm a servant of God. I am one who's sent to do the work that God has given to me. 
What is your purpose? My purpose is to tell people about Jesus so they'll be ready for Jesus so that when he comes and I introduce him, they'll know who he is. So this is who I am. This is how I see myself. So as I've read this this week and as I've thought about this, and John, he's one of those figures that doesn't, he doesn't often come up, I think, on lists of people's favorite individual from the Bible, right? Obviously, outside of God, outside of God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. You know, you hear a lot of Peter. You might hear John, but usually I think people are talking about John the Evangelist, John that wrote the book of John. You hear Peter, Paul, Luke, maybe, right? You hear, you don't hear a lot of John the Baptist. But John the Baptist is really special to me. Because when I look at him, this is what I see. I see a man who, without Jesus, had no purpose. That's what I see about John. If you remove Jesus from the equation, John has no identity and no purpose. He says, everything about me is wrapped up in my relationship with Jesus Christ. His role, his aim in life how he saw himself, how he wanted other people to see him, his entire purpose for being were all connected to his personal relationship to Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you this question, brothers and sisters. Is that description also one that is fitting for you? Is what I'm saying about John actually sounding like you as well? That, that how you see yourself and how you want other people to see you and your main goals and your main aim in life are all connected to your relationship with Jesus Christ. How you want to raise your kids and how you want to spend your money and what you want to do with your free time. Are, are all of these things in some way connected to Jesus? If I remove Jesus from the equation, does your life all of a sudden... Lose a lot of meaning and a lot of purpose. Or does everything go on just as it is and nothing would even have to change? Maybe other than what you do on Sunday mornings. You might say, what does that, kind of, what does that look like? Right? It's hard to imagine John wearing camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey. Right? We can't really visualize that as much. I, I think I've seen a similar pattern in some people that I've known through the years. You know, I've known men and women who were married for a very long time. And then their spouse passes away. And some of you have known people like this, right? They're they're married for a long time and their spouse passes away. And all of a sudden, they look just a little bit lost in life. Right? They, they spent so much time with their spouse and they did so much serving their spouse and caring for their husband or wife that, that when their husband or wife passes away, it's almost like they didn't know who they were without that relationship. Have you, some of you seen that before? I, I've seen it not just in, in the loss to death. I've seen it in the change that comes in life sometimes. A, a mom or a dad... Who, who love their children dearly and are deeply invested in the life of their children. And then their children either graduate school or they get married. Or for whatever reason, they move off and they move away and they move out of the house. And all of a sudden, this mom or dad just, they look a little bit lost. Because everything about them seems to have been wrapped up in 
this relationship with their child and being a mom or being a dad and being a good mother or father. And now all of a sudden when that's taken away, it's almost like they've lost a part of their identity. And so what I'm asking you is, and it's great to be a devout spouse, and it's great to be a devout mother or father. I'm not trying to put these down. I'm just trying to give you an example of what it would look like for all of your identity to be wrapped up in Jesus. That the, the things that you do and the way that you talk and what you watch and what you listen to and how you spend your money, how you spend your time are so connected to Jesus that if Jesus were removed from the equation that you would just say, I don't, I don't know what to do today. I don't know who I am. Because everything I have and everything I am is connected to Jesus Christ. That's what John appears to be. That's the man, that, the type of person he appears to be. And I absolutely love seeing this. So you might ask the question, though, why? Right? Especially if you're here today and you're not a believer, or maybe you're a newer believer. You might ask the question, why? Why would John not live for John? I mean, that's, a, I think, a pretty standard question. If somebody says, I live for somebody else, I would say, why? You know, why do you live for them? What's so important or amazing about that person that you don't even do what you want to? But you do what that person wants you to do, which is what John presents himself as. Well, he, he tells us in the text just after this, he tells us that Jesus is so amazing. He says, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. Wow. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. He's that amazing. And he said, well, you give me somebody that amazing and I think they'd be worth living for. Why? Why is Jesus so amazing? Well, let's look back at the text to see the second part, right? We've seen what John says about John. He's a servant of the Lord. But what does John say about Jesus? Look at verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. So here, John tells us at least two things about Jesus. There are others, but two primary ones that I think that are easy to focus on. And the first one is he tells us that, that Jesus is the Redeemer that's come to deliver us from our sins. That's in verse 29 when he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, again, I know in our day and time that language sounds kind of funny, but you have to remember these are people that are just coming into New Testament time period, so these are Jewish people. They were very, very familiar with the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. This was still the life that they were living, that you can remember and picture the lambs, the actual lambs that were taken and that were slaughtered and whose blood was spilt as sacrifices for the sins of the people, right? These, these sin sacrifices. And so John uses that same imagery and that same language to describe who Jesus is and the purpose for which Jesus has come. He says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who is going to take away the sin of the world. I think they would have immediately recognized how does a lamb take away somebody's sin by being sacrificed. That's the picture that he's drawing here. But he's drawing that picture of Jesus. Which 
begins to, if we don't keep the categories in their right place, seem to be a, a, a little bit confusing because Jesus is the Almighty God. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Promised One, the King who's going to reign forever, but He's also the Lamb that's going to die. And those things are all true. These are not contradictions. Yes, Jesus is the one who has always lived and who will always live, but He is also the one who died. He is the one who is a sacrifice, but who is also a reigning King. And those things don't seem to make sense, but in God, they all make sense. And this is who Jesus is. He came to live a perfect life. He came to live as a perfect example. He came to teach truth and to witness about truth, but he also came to die an atoning death, to be the Lamb of God whose blood would be shed so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to come before the Lord's table this morning, and we're going to be able to, to see this and remember this in that special way as we actually hold a piece of bread that reminds us of the body of Christ that was broken. Literally broken. His body was ripped apart and broken. We're going to be able to hold that cup of juice that reminds us of the blood of Jesus that was shed in order that our sins could be forgiven. So John says about Jesus when they see him, here's the one. This is the man who has come to die in your place. This is the one whose blood will purchase your pardon. This is the one whom by you will be able to live only because he will die in your place. So the first thing that John tells us about Jesus, point two, is that Jesus is the Lamb of God. It's the first thing he's telling us about Jesus. We have to know that he is the one who has come to die in our place. I cannot overstate the meaning of the Lamb of God. Can't state it often enough. What a glorious truth that Jesus came to die for us. But in the next verse, he also tells us something else about Jesus. Look at verse 30, John 1.30. He says, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. Now, whenever he says here that, that Jesus ranks before him and has come before him. We're not going to talk about this idea of ranking before him. I believe it's the idea of Jesus being more important, Jesus having more authority than him. We'll dive into that a little bit more this Wednesday night. But when he says at the end of verse 30, because he was before me. Some of you, if you're very astute, very astute, remember last Sunday's sermon and in last Sunday's sermon, Gabriel came to Mary, right? It was fuzzy when I said last Sunday's sermon, but it's starting to come into focus now. Gabriel came to Mary in what month does it say? You remember? In the, what was that? In the sixth month. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel came to Mary. But in the sixth month of what? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now that's, that's John the Baptist's mom. So follow me here. John the Baptist was conceived six months before Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. 
John the Baptist was presumably born six months before Jesus was born. Yet here John says about Jesus, here's the one who came before me. And you say, well, how does that make sense? Did John just make a mistake? Is John bad at math? No. Here's what John is trying to tell us, brothers and sisters. Jesus, though he just came to earth, is the eternal God who has always lived. That's what John's saying right here. That's what John wants us to understand. Was he just conceived in the womb of Mary? Yes. Was he just now born in human flesh, the incarnation where God left heaven and came to earth? Yes. But don't make any mistake about this. John is highlighting the divine nature of Jesus. Yes, he was just born as a human, but he has always existed because he is God. And so point three this morning is this. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And he is. He is the Lamb who came to die, but also the eternal one who has always existed and who will always live. He is the one born six months after John, but who has lived for eternity before John. He is a humble man who is also a glorious God. He is a suffering servant and a reigning king. And brothers and sisters, these categories seem quite complex, but I'm telling you, in God, they all make sense. And so, when you say, alright, so Jesus is a lamb who came to die for my sins. And he's also the one who came to reign forever. He's the one that came to bring me peace and love. Not only did he live a perfect life and die an atoning death and then overcome death, but he also has existed forever and made me. And breathed the breath of life into my lungs. And he is all these things? And I say, yes, he is all these things. And I think when you hear that, you can start to understand, you know what? I think I can see why John would be willing to give his entire life to serve this God. Why would John wrap all of his identity, all of his goals, all of his plans, all of his desires in life up into a package that are all connected to Jesus? Because, brothers and sisters, Jesus is so glorious and so worthy that we should be thankful for the privilege of being his servants. We don't deserve to even we don't deserve to utter his name. Yet he allows us to serve him and to be his messengers that go and tell a lost world about him. Oh, and to be part of his family. Oh, and to be his loved and cherished children who are forgiven by Him and loved by Him and who will be with Him forever and ever. I would make this argument, that there is nothing and there is no one more worthy than Jesus to give your life to. Not you, not me, not your parents or your grandparents, not our country, not whatever you want to choose, not your bank account, not your pride, whatever thing you might pick and say, that's the thing that I want to live for. My legacy is not more worthy than Jesus.
It's not, and it never will be, because Jesus is the God who made us and breathed life into us, and the Lamb who died so that we could live. He is glorious, and He is triumphant, and He is eternally worthy, and He's the one that we should fall at His feet and beg for the opportunity to be His servants and to be His messengers, but He doesn't make us do that. He offers us that choice freely and adopts us into his family and shows us his love and mercy and grace. And what are we doing wasting our time on so many other useless things? I look at my life, it's the end of the year and we do this, and I look at my life and I say, what things have I accomplished this year? And there may be some good things that you name. And there may be some things that you're excited about, but I could name Hour after hour and day after day and week after week that were wasted on useless things, brothers and sisters. I pray that as you think about starting a new year, a new season, turning over a new leaf, that maybe you would reassess your priorities in life. See how many of them are at least connected to Christ. I'm not saying, right, y'all, I'm a preacher, so y'all think this is the type of person. Y'all think that I'm saying that you have to pray or read your Bible or listen to Caleb 24-7. That's what I'm saying. You shouldn't ever watch football. You shouldn't talk about football. You shouldn't have hobbies. You shouldn't go fish. You shouldn't go golf. That's not what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters. Just be clear. If you come to my house this afternoon, you're going to watch football, Okay? This is what I'm saying. If those reprieves are small hobbies or pastimes that should take up a vast minority of our time or taking up the vast majority of your time, I would say maybe you need to reassess your priorities. If you're more worried about how people see you and what the numbers are in your bank account and how many hours you'll get to spend on vacation this year rather than how much time you're going to spend serving the Lord or if other people see Christ in you or how much you give for the glory of the kingdom, then maybe you need to reassess your priorities because I pray that our lives would look more like John. Who, when they say, hey, who are you? He says, I'm a servant of God. Well, what's your purpose to get you all ready for God? And then later they ask him, why are you baptizing? I'm baptizing just so that I'll be able to show you who God is when He comes. He says, everything I do, I'm doing for the Lord. It's not for me. So let me end with this. I, I see in this text kind of three types of people. Types. I want to ask you which one you are. And the first type of person I see here are, are the clueless people who are just asking questions. Right? We see them at the beginning of the text. They come and they're asking John, Hey, who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you not the Christ? Are you Elijah? Right? They don't know. They just don't know. And maybe that's you here today. Maybe you've come because last week was Christmas and you went to church and you heard something that was kind of interesting to you. And so you thought you'd come back again today and, and you're hearing some things and you're saying, I just don't know, but I've got a lot of questions. I think that can be a good place to be for a short period. Ask those questions. I would love to, to look in Scripture with you to find answers for your questions. If you're here and you have questions, let's find answers. Let's don't continue to walk in this place for a long time. right? Even these folks said, hey, we can't leave here without an answer. We've got to have an answer. 
you've got questions, let's find you answers. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, but you have some questions that you want to ask. I'd love to answer them. Then we see the type of person here that Jesus is, right? That's the Messiah, the one that everything should revolve around. And I don't think any of you think that you're the Messiah. I don't think any of you think that you're eternal God. But some of us have made the mistake of thinking that we're the ones that everything should revolve around. Right? All these people are here for me. Y'all should sing the songs that I like. We should meet at the times that I want to meet. My family are really just here to make my life easier. Brothers and sisters, if you have misplaced yourself as the one that's most important in life, then I pray that today's text reminds you that there's only one that John says, He is the Lamb of God. He is the one that ranks before me and before all of us. He is the one that came before us. It's not you and it's not me. It's only one God. Let us not think that we are the ones that are most important. Because on our own, none of us are eternal. None of us are perfect. None of us are holy, righteous, gracious, loving, or kind. Without God, we are none of these things. He's the one that's worthy of all praise. But then there's John, right? The type of person who says, I'm here to serve that eternal God. I'm here to get other people ready for His coming. Because, brothers and sisters, He's coming back. And that's part of our job, is to get people around us ready for when He returns. That they won't say, wait, what is this? I don't know what's happening. They'll say, oh yeah, that's what they were telling me about. That's the one. This is the one. So I want to challenge you with this, brothers and sisters. If your habits, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, and the way that you treat your family, and the way that you treat your coworkers, and the way that you see your job, if all those things are like completely secular, you have like your church path of life and then your other path of life let's merge those two how you relate to your family and your co-workers that's related to your relationship with God the way that you use your time and your money that's related to your relationship with God let's wrap all those things together and if you're here today and you say I don't know how to do that I don't know what that looks like I'd love to talk to you let's have lunch let's sit down one day come over to the house sit down with me and Amanda Let's talk about how to do those things because what a difference it'll make in your life when you wrap everything that you do into your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I also want to challenge you in this thing. John was telling people about Jesus. I want to invite you to stand while I share this. John was telling people about Jesus. And brothers and sisters, over and over and over throughout God's Word, we are told to tell people about Jesus. We're commissioned and sent to tell people about Jesus. We're told to be witnesses of Jesus. And some of us couldn't tell me the last time that we told anybody about Jesus. If that's you, let me give you what I think is a pretty simple challenge. New Year's resolution, and the first month of the year, tell one person about Jesus. One person. I'm not saying every day, every conversation. One person at Walmart, at Bromas, at work. Tell one person about Jesus. If you haven't done that, I ask that you do that. Our deacons are going to come, and we're going to prepare to observe the Lord's Supper this morning. We're going to sing Jesus Messiah. In the song, we'll sing that His body is the bread and His blood is the wine that's broken and poured out for us. During this time of response and invitation, I ask you to think about 
why Jesus is so worthy, why we should give our lives to Him. If you're here with us and you are a church member, you're just not a member of this church, we still invite you to take part in the Lord's Supper. We covet your partnership in the kingdom and we're thankful that you are here and we ask you to observe the Lord's Supper with us. But if you're here and you're not a believer, we ask that you would allow these things to pass by, that you don't take of the Lord's Supper today, but that you think deeply about these truths. So this morning as our deacons come and prepare to service and as our praise team leads us in singing, if you would, join us as we sing Jesus Messiah and think on the Lord's death in our place.
this morning as you take. If you notice, uh, inside of one cup, there's the bread. Inside the other, there's the juice. This morning, I want to read for us from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul gives us instructions about taking the Lord's Supper. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He continues and tells us, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you. You may be seated. Brother Don Presley is going to come with our announcements for this morning. These are the announcements for this week. Uh, deer hunters, if you have extra meat you'd like to donate to the food pantry, you can take the deer to be processed at night's deer processing and let them know it's for Mount Zion's food pantry. Canada mission trip. We'll be doing a mission trip to Canada the week of March the 18th. And we'll have an interest meeting on Sunday January the 7th for those who might be interested in going. New Year's Eve celebration tonight at 6 p.m. in the gym. Bring snacks and drinks to share as well as your favorite games. Fireworks are optional. We're asking everyone who attends to please help clean up afterwards. The food pantry will be making bags next Sunday, January the 7th at 3 p.m. Any more announcements? Brother Don, I have a couple. Thank you very much, brother. Um, one thing I did want to encourage you with, I know it's the beginning of the year starting tomorrow. Some of you are making resolutions. Uh, if, if you've ever considered possibly reading through the Bible, let me encourage you. Uh, that's a great thing to do. If you've never read the Bible all the way through, I wanted to offer you a couple of options, some that seem, uh, for those that are real adventurous and those that seem like you may need something a little bit easier and more attainable. Uh, but there are a couple of, uh, of printed Bible reading plans that we'll have in the back this morning on the table at the back, your left of the sanctuary. Uh, one is called the McShane reading plan. This is one that's been around for a long time. And, and it's, it's one that's for those that want to be a little bit advanced, but it is a great opportunity. If you read that reading plan, you'll read uh, four different passages each day. And what you'll do is throughout this year, you'll read the Old Testament once and the New Testament and Psalms twice during the year. Uh, and so there's an, uh, an option. The other printed that we'll have at the back is the chronological in a year. So if you want to read through the Bible... As, as the events actually happen, in the order that they happen chronologically, and be done in one year, you'll do the reading for each day in there. 
And then for those that say, well, maybe even chronological in a year is a little bit much for me, uh, I will invite you to do this. We're going to start publishing in the bulletin each week. Uh, it'd just be a chapter a day. One chapter per day, chronological reading. And I think we all have the opportunity to do that. I figured it up earlier today. Even if reading that chapter took you 10 minutes uh, and you're awake for about 17 hours a day, for those of you that sleep about 7 hours, uh, that means about 1% of your day you'd spend reading Scripture. Uh, I think we can all afford to spend at least 1% of our day reading Scripture. If you do that in three years, you will have read through the entire Bible. And so you say, well, Brother Zach, that's a long time. Brothers and sisters, the goal here is faithfulness. Right? The goal isn't to be the fastest one here. If you want to do that, you can read the New Testament in 90 days. I can print you out that reading plan. The goal isn't to be the fastest. The goal is to be the most faithful. And so if you haven't read the Bible... And read it through in the next three years. That'll be in the bulletin each week, what text to read each day. You might even find a group that would meet with you on 9-15 on Sunday mornings before Sunday school starts and discuss what y'all read that week. What a great opportunity that would be. Uh, and then the other one, for those of you that like to listen more than to read, Crossway has taken the liberty of taking the Bible reading plans and making them into podcasts. So that you can listen to somebody else read them. If you want to listen to the McShane, you can listen to Kristen Getty. Read that. They have different people reading them. And they're all the different options. The chronological, the McShane. I think they have seven different reading plans. So that you can just listen to somebody else. Not like a robot, but a person with a, a nice voice that was chosen to read those to you each day. If you're interested in that, let me know. I can, I can get you there. You can pull up Crossways uh, podcasts. Let me, let me encourage you to begin reading Scripture regularly if you're not doing that. The other matter that we had this morning is that we do need to have a brief business meeting. This has been announced for a few weeks now. But we do need a motion to enter into a time of business. So do we have a motion from the floor? We have a motion, Brother Philip. Do we have a second? We have a second. All in favor, say aye. All right, so the two things, only two things that we have before us, one is the nominating committee report. Uh, these are out and available. These have been out. If you picked yours up a few weeks ago, there are a couple of corrections I need to make sure that you're aware of. One is that the year was not initially changed. It said 2023 at the top. That needs to say 2024 because we're voting for next year's. Uh, and the RA and GA leaders... I had not been added to there, uh, but I think on the newly revised one, they have been. So, the motion this morning coming from the nominating committee is that we approve the one that's been printed and out for a couple of weeks with those two changes, the year being changed and the RA and GA leader for Wednesday night being added to it. If you're not familiar with the nominating committee report, it's our teachers, officers, and committees that will serve the church for this coming year. Any questions about that? Okay, seeing none, this does come from a committee, so it does not need a second. So if there's no more discussion, we'll vote. All in favor of approving that with those two revisions, please say aye. Any opposed by like sign. Okay, and then we also have our proposed budget. Um, this has come from our finance committee. They worked long and hard on this. Uh, there are increases, as there normally are every year with cost of living increases. 
insurance goes up, building requirements go up. There's a, a substantial increase uh, for the salary for associate pastor because we moved that from a bivocational position to a full-time position. And a few of you have asked about that. Uh, Brother Adam, today is his last day serving at Philadelphia Baptist Church. I would ask that you pray for him and the church. Many of you have been through that transition, at least on the church side, and you know how difficult that is to have somebody that you've known and loved and that has led you for that many years um, to leave. And so today's a particularly difficult day for them. Um, so we pray with them. We think about them. But he will begin here. Uh, the office is closed tomorrow for New Year's Day. He'll begin here on Tuesday, and then he'll be with us full time from then forth. All right, so the proposed budget. Any questions? Uh, Brother Derek's here. He's chairman of our finance committee. I know he could answer any of those. Any questions about the proposed budget for next year? Okay, seeing none, again, this comes from a committee, so it does not need a second. So we'll vote. All in favor of approving the proposed budget, please say aye. aye. Any opposed, please say aye. Okay, and that motion carries. All right, and then we just need a uh, motion to close. We have a motion. We have a second. We have a second. All are in favor. I know that you are. Last thing before we pray, uh, we have these beautiful poinsettias, uh, poinsettias and they, are, uh, they have served their purpose, and they are done here. So we would love for you to take these with you. We do not want any of them to be without a home. If you see one and you like it, uh, then come and get it. And uh, if you have somebody you'd like to give one to, take it and give it to them. Thank you to our... Um, Decorating Flower and Decorating Committee has done a wonderful job preparing our sanctuary throughout the month. We're thankful for all the work that they've done, and we want these to be able to go home with you so that you can enjoy their beauty for months to come. This morning, if y'all would stand with me and join me, and let's pray and thank the Lord for His goodness as we dismiss this morning. Father God, we are thankful because you are so good, so much better to us than we could ever deserve. And you have made us, and you have redeemed us, and you continue to hold us and to love us daily. Father, forgive us of the days that we're not mindful of your love and grace. Father, help us to, help us to turn our hearts to you more and more every day by the reading of your word and by spending time in prayer and by spending time with you. Father... Thank you for a church family that loves us and that loves you. Father, and thank you for the opportunity to look forward to a new year and a new season when we can serve you together and live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.